Hello and welcome to the Sisterhood of the Rings, the Tolkien podcast where we discuss all the lore almost no one cares about. I'm your host, Maddie Bolzenius. And I'm your host, Molly Tenley-Straight. This week we will be discussing J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Chapter 3, Three is Company. And in honor of this title of the chapter, we have a special guest. <gasps> Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. Um, this is uh, this is Luke Bolsinius. I'm the ugly sister. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to say, just at the top, uh, I think it's about time. There's a, there's a faith-based Lord of the Rings podcast, oh and, and you're doing very good work out here. Did you listen to our first two episodes? I didn't. <laughs> did not. Well, this has got to be rough. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's start off with a prayer. <laughs> Bow your heads, please. <laughs> Listeners at home. Yeah, we're really excited to have our uh, our big brother on the show with us today. Do you feel really honored to be our first ever guest? Very much so, yes. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, he's going to be launched into stardom yeah. after this. I mean, this is like a one-way ticket to Hollywood, just like American Idol. Pretty much. Hey, Luke, would you like uh, to start off by telling us about your Tolkien experience? Uh, Yes. Growing up, I always gravitated toward just anything nerdy. I, I don't know how I got the book The Hobbit, but it just ended up in my hands at some point, and uh, I read through it. I loved it. I sort of revisited that fantasy world when the movie started coming out for Lord of the Rings, and have just always been, uh, you know, sort of a fan, but haven't read or watched these in a very long time. So, um, pretty bad first guest. You're not qualified to not be here. Not unqualified. That's okay. We're unqualified too. Oh. So like us, Great. you chose to watch the movie specifically because Legolas is so hot? <laughs> no. Okay. It was Aragorn. Oh. <laughs> yes. The butt chin. Mm. Got us all. I love that. There's a lot of good, a lot of good chins in this movie. Hmm. We were watching it last night and... Um, Eowyn also has a nice butt chin. She's got a really good one going on there. Miranda Otto. Hello. She's a beautiful woman, though. No, but why Why I got into the movies was um, just, it's it's nerd shit. So right. yeah. I'm down. Me and Maddie were discussing having you as a guest. And we're like, would Luke be a really good guest? Because he's got to really nerd out about this. And mm -hmm. then Maddie was like, yeah, he used to paint Warhammer. Yeah. I, I did. <laughs> yeah. I, I did uh, 40k and the and the original. So I don't know what that means. Uh, well, one of no them's like Space Marines, and then the other one is is Lord of the Rings. Like, oh really? Yeah. Ooh. So oh, hello. Kind of jack of all trades. You get the best of both worlds. Chill it out, take it slow, then, then we rock out the show. Warhammer. Yeah. Okay, so I think we're ready to go into our movie overview. I think we can do it. The movie is super, super different from the book this week. So I'm just going to go ahead and go down this road. Barrel through it. All right. So basically, the way that this section starts is that Gandalf takes Frodo and Sam into the forest. And he's like, Frodo, don't put on that ring. It wants to be found. And then he leaves on his horse. He leaves them in the middle of the spooky forest because that's how Gandalf does it. Sam is like really sentimental and he's having this moment where he hesitates before taking his next step, which is the furthest he's ever been from home. And Frodo's like, can you please just come on? But he gives him an inspirational little Bilbo quote about you never know what's going to happen when you step 
out your front door or whatever. They're walking through the forest. They're having a little time. They're resting. They see these wood elves prancing through the forest. They're singing their songs. Frodo says, I know where they're going to the Grey Havens. And Sam is really sad. He's like, I don't know why it makes me sad. So... Which is depressing. Well, because it is depressing. He's like, I don't know why it makes me sad. It's like, yeah, because they're leaving Middle Earth forever. And abandoning all you humans and hobbits. Right. To just like wallow in war and despair. So like, yeah, that's sad, Sam. We have a cut to Gandalf visiting Saruman at Isengard. He tells him that the Ring of Power has been found. And Saruman's kind of pissed because he's like, how could you have not noticed this before? And he's like, Gandalf, you smoke too much weed. And Gandalf's like, guilty, bro. (laughs) So Saruman tries to get Gandalf to join Sauron's pyramid scheme. He's like, listen, Sauron is taking over. I'm going to be the boss and then you can be the boss and then we'll all have people working under us. So we'll have power, too. It's like when your friend tries to get you to join LuLaRoe. (laughs) <laughs> but worse and more evil. Uh, Saruman actually kicks Gandalf's ass when he tells him that he doesn't want to join this little like old man fight. Party. Yeah, and it's like the most iconic old man fight ever. They're slamming doors. Oh, oh yeah, that video. Okay, we're gonna share an amazing video. I'm not gonna describe Footnote it. That. We're gonna share that on our website, but you guys have to watch a certain little video about that slamming doors scene. It's really good. So we cut back to Sam and Frodo. They are walking through Farmer Maggot's cornfield and they uh, happen to pick up Merry and Pippin all- along the way because they're stealing vegetables from Farmer Maggot's garden. We're going to go more into that in chapter four. They're on the road and Frodo gets a bad feeling and hears a screeching noise. So he tells them to get off the road and then they jump over a little cliffy thing and they're hiding under the roots of a tree and a black rider trots up gets off his horse he's sniffing around frodo's about to put on the ring when sam stops him and then mary throws something from behind the tree to carrots him. is it carrots no carrots. it's like a pack it's like a pack of vegetables or something carrots something like that oh i looked this part up oh you did <laughs> yeah i i did research I, I haven't seen these movies in a while but i did pick up the, the really bag of really useless minutiae. So <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'll be I'm here glad. for that. I'm really yeah, that really here. changed this whole episode. It honestly does. Now that we know that, we know everything. You're welcome. Yep, thank you. And then uh, the Black Rider basically runs away because he hears the noise and then that's kind of where the section ends. That yeah. that was good. Thank you so much. You covered all the shit. I think I, I think I got it all. I'm doing the book overview for chapter three this week, and it definitely is really different than the movie, like Maddie said. The chapter begins, and Gandalf and Frodo are hanging out at Bag End, and they stay there for a couple months, and they're planning for Frodo to leave the Shire. He decides to buy a house in Crick Hollow as a diversion to get out of Hobbiton so people don't think that his leaving is a big deal. Gandalf is going to leave for a while, and he says he'll come back to assist Frodo with actually leaving and heading to Rivendale because he needs his help because... Gandalf's the shit. Yeah. Well, he thinks he is. He kind of is. So anyways, Frodo's selling the bag end to the Sackville Bagginses, and he is moving beyond Buckleberry to where Mary's from, which is super cute. Cute. We witness another conversation between Sam and Ted Sandyman, and they're finding giants at the border, which is super creepy. Then we see Ring Race entering the Shire. They're looking for Mr. Baggins. The gaffer is having a conversation with them, and Frodo overhears. He's like, these busybodies, but really, it's the fucking black riders. They're yeah. just murder everybody. Frodo and his friends, Fatty Bulger, Falco, Boffin, 
Pippin, Took, and Mary Brandybuck help him with his move. And Mary and Fatty go ahead and set the house up. So on the adventure, when they decide to leave, it's just Sam and Pippin and Frodo. They head off into the woods, and that's when they first encounter the Black Riders, which Maddie already talked about in the movie overview. It's pretty much just like that. After that, they're pretty scared, so they're definitely more careful until they run into High Elves. In the movie, it's Wood Elves. Yeah, he says Wood Elves in the movie. That's weird. In the book, it's High Elves. Why would they even change that? I don't know. It's super cute. They are like, well, let's be best friends. You speak elfish. You're cool, Frodo. Yeah, they really like him. Yeah, so then they go off and hang. (laughs) They go off and have this like nice dinner and this nice party. Frodo has a conversation with Gildor Inglorian, who is the leader of those elves. And he's basically like, can you tell me about the Black Riders? And Glorian's like, no, if Gandalf didn't tell you, I'm not telling you shit. <laughs> and, and that's it. And then they fall asleep and the chapter's over. Wow. Good job. Thank you. Yes. And I was asked to do the uh, fanfic deviant art overview. Um, it is a lot different from both the book and the movie. Um, no one asked it, you to do that. Oh, thank God. Okay, we're moving on to the discussions. Okay, who's going first? I'll go first with the topics, if that sounds good to you guys. Yeah. In honor of our special guest, who is a civil engineer. I told you he's a nerd, but he's like a real nerd. Like, short sleeve, pen in the chest pocket nerd. Jesus. Oh, shit. Pocket pocket protector nerd? Oh. I don't know if he's gotten that far yet. This is going to be a thing you you, you roast your guests first. (laughs) Only when it's our brother. You break them down. (laughs) We have to take you down a couple notches. Okay. No, that's fair. So in honor of our special guest, who is a civil engineer, I decided to research the road. The road. That they travel on. I know. So Gandalf the Grey is talking to Frodo about where he should travel first. And this is his quote. If you want my advice, make for Rivendell. That journey should not prove too perilous though the road is less easy than it was, and it will grow worse as the year fails. So my confusion was, what is the road? Where are they traveling? Where are they taking me? I was just a little confused, right? We don't know that much about well, this. Well, because the road is, like, capitalized, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, the, the road. The road. Capital By R. By Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. So what is, what is this road? What's the history of this road? Where all does this road go? So this was one of those things that I was like, oh, I'm going to look this up, and it's going to be really stupid. It's going to be like a one-line thing. No, nothing is like that. Mm-hmm. Why do you keep thinking that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, done. It's Tolkien. I know. So, <laughs> so like seven hours of research later, I found there's a lot of shit. So here we go. So the road that Gandalf is referring to is the Great East Road. It's also been known by other names like the Old Dwarf Road or the Menenorgrium. Nope. Menenagramore. Menenagramore. Wow, I wasn't even close. <laughs> That's all right. It's kind of my thing. This road was originally built by the dwarves in the first age, and it ran all the way from the Iron Hills all the way to past the Blue Mountains to Bellarand. Bellarand? Yeah. Bellend. Say it again. Bellarand. All the way to Beleriand. Mm-hmm. So I think the easiest for me to do is to draw a little mind picture of what this map looks Ooh. like. All right, here we go. Okay. We start off with the ocean and then we see Beleriand. Beleriand. Mm. And after Beleriand is the Blue Mountains. And then after the Blue Mountains is the empty space where the Shire is. Okay. Then we have Bree. Then we have the Missy Mountains where Kazadum is. Which is the same thing as Moria. Casa Doom and Moria are interchangeable. Oh. Moria, it means the black pit. And okay. so Casa Doom is what they were calling it first. And then after the Belrog took it over, they started calling it Moria. Really? 
Correct. So after the Missy Mountains, then we have the Mirkwood Forest, which is called Ravanion. I think that's right. Okay. Then we have Erebor, which is where The Hobbit takes place. Right. And then we have the Iron Hills. Okay. Okay. So I just yeah. described it to you from left to right. Okay. What it looks like. So the road originally went all the way across that distance. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. All the way to the Iron Hills. And the dwarves built it. The Doriath is the elf kingdom that was in Beleriand. Every time that it needs to be said, you just say say it. it. Okay. Okay. The elf kingdom, Doriath, was in Beleriand. And this was where they did a lot of trading. So the dwarves and the elves that lived in Beleriand. Can we just change the name? No. Bel Air. (laughs) (laughs) Fresh. I'm just going to call... How do you say it? Balerian? Balerian? I'm calling it Bel Air from now on. It's just Bel Air. It's canon now. Okay, it's canon. Show canon. I love that. That really is much easier. Thank you. Bel Air. It's a cooler name anyway. I like it. It's great. Who is the Fresh Prince, though? In this story. Different pod. Have me back. (laughs) In Bel Air, there is an elf kingdom called Doriath. In Doriath, those elves trade with the dwarves who are known as the Nogrod and the Belagost. So those are the two dwarf kingdoms that live there. And they live in the Blue Mountains. So we don't go to the Blue Mountains at all in this this story. I guess in the Silmarillion, there's lots of stuff about the Blue Mountains. But it kind of served as the the old border of Bel-Air. Do you guys know much about Bel-Air? Yes, (laughs) I do. (laughs) But of like... The Lord of the Rings, Belair, Belarian, Belarian. Uh, I literally know nothing. About okay, it. so do you know Luke? Carlton dance. <laughs> this land in the first age is what hosted the major battle between the Valar and Morgoth, and it literally got completely destroyed, and it sunk beneath the ocean, and it exists no longer. So hmm. it's like Atlantis. Well, yeah, it's just people don't live there. So it's not like Atlantis. <laughs> Which is fully populated. Right. So now the Great Sea goes all the way to the pretty much the edge of the Blue Mountains. But all of this took place before all that happened. The dwarves of Nog, Rod, and Belgos used the road to travel across Bel Air. And when they had shit go down with the elves of Dorianth, uh, the road fell into dis- disrepair. And this is a crazy story about what happened. Okay, so I. You've been talking about the road? <laughs> this is lead up to the road. Yeah. This is all about the road. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> this really branches off though. Yes. Okay. In Nagrod history, what happened was the elves asked to borrow this special necklace that the doors made. It was called the Noglamir. I think that's how you say it. You're never getting that necklace back. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what happened. So they took it and they put the Silmaril in the necklace. Oh. Oh, I talk about the Silmarils in mine. Do you? Yeah. So they took it and they put the Silmaril in the necklace and the doors are like, hey, we want our necklace back. And the elves are like, no, you no. you can't have it back. <laughs> and so the doors go and then they just slaughter the king and they slaughter everybody. Oh my God. Yeah, it's really terrible. So after they slaughter everybody, the doors are heading back and they get attacked by Baron, like Baron and Luthien. Oh. Yeah. Hey, honey. And Baron like slaughters all them. Oh, and then that's not cute he takes the necklace and gives it to luthien as a present oh that's so romantic yeah like i murdered all these people here's this cool necklace yeah like blood diamond oh <laughs> <laughs> there was just like a couple of the doors that were left and they traveled to casa doom and they like resettled there with all of doran the first clan who lived there oh yeah so doran the first is like they already had made casa doom like their 
land. So all these extra dwarves came and moved in with them. Okay. So like Brady Bunch style. Cute. I know. After that happened, though, the road that was originally where they would travel from Bel Air to Casa Doom and on that section there, they didn't use because they weren't going there. That world got destroyed in that big battle. So it was just, it fell into disrepair. And the doors from then on just focused on the road through the Mirkwood to the Iron Hills and to Erebor. So in come the Numenorians. And the Numenorians split into two different divisions of the descendants. And one of them was the Dunedain of Arnor. And that is who we're dealing with. The Dunedain of Arnor, their king was Elendil. The son was Isildur. And that is Aragorn II's heir. Uh, yeah. 39 generations later I know, comes Aragorn. Crazy? Yeah. Okay. So they took over the maintenance of the road and they decided to build all of their fortresses. So they came in and they Joanna Gaines'd that shit and they <laughs> fixed it up with some shiplap and put a little fortress called Weathertop. Oh, and Weathertop. they did, uh-huh, And they made it really gorgeous. Love it. So they made the road look super nice and they made bridges and they made it really lovely. And that is the road that we now know. So the Great East Road is the road that they're traveling from. It runs now currently from the Grey Havens all the way to Rivendell. And on the way, the notable towns are Michael Delving, Hobbiton, Bree, the Forsaken Inn, and Rivendell. The Forsaken Inn? Yeah, I guess they talk about it in The Hobbit. It's not in this book, but it was notable, so I went in there. And uh, there is a line where Aragorn's like, there's nothing between here than the Forsaken Inn and Rivendell. Why would they call it the Forsaken Inn? Guess you don't want to stay there. Is it like a theme hotel? I don't know. I didn't research it at all. That sounds cool. It's like an escape room. (laughs) (laughs) The scarier, the better. Welcome to the Forsaken Inn. So I also wanted to point out, I found this amazing map. It was in lordoftheringsproject.com slash map. And it is an interactive map where you can click on certain areas and it will show you how it relates to the book and the movie. And it was super, super helpful. And so I'm going to share a link to that on my blog post. And it's really cool. I would recommend to check it out. And it also has a second button where you can pu- push and it will show you the Bel Air, whatever it's called. Belarian. Belarian. <laughs> And it's really great and super helpful. And for once, I finally found a map that it actually made sense while I was looking at it. Oh, my God. I love that. I can't wait to look at it. That is all I found about the Great East Road. What was the word that you said they refinished it with? I think I said refurbished. Refurbished. Resurfaced is that you're asking. But did they, but did they actually resurface God. it or did they just like pick out the weeds? I'm at, This was your section. I'm asking you. <laughs> But to resurface, don't you have to like literally lay another layer? Yes. Okay, well, I don't know they did that. All right, so there we go. That's all about the road. So it turns out engineering is boring. We all knew that already. (laughs) I don't know why I chose this for my topic. (laughs) No, I loved it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, now I just want to take a second to uh, thank our studio audience. Um, Once more, (laughs) if you could just hold the applause. You've been doing a great job, and you're just going to need to keep doing that through my section going to be tough it's a little really scary how them. much they've held the applause yeah but the silent ovations amazing they show they care they do round the corner came a black horse no hobbit pony but a full-size horse and on it sat a large man who seemed to crouch in his saddle wrapped in a great black cloak and hood so that only his boots and high stirrups showed below his face was shadowed and invisible 
When it reached the tree and was level with Frodo, the horse stopped. The riding figure sat quite still with its head bowed as if listening. From inside the hood came a noise, as of someone sniffling to catch an elusive scent. The head turned from side to side of the road. Creepy. Creepy as fuck. So, my section is the Nazgul. Fuck yeah. Hell I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> now, the Nazgul go by uh, a lot of different names. The Ringwraiths, the Black Riders. In my uh, like deep dive into this subject, uh, the, the first thing that I found was this uh, resource gathering tool called Wikipedia. And uh, <laughs> the very first thing before it gets into, into anything about these guys is a clarification that this group is unaffiliated with the Black Riders Liberation Party, which was a black power political organization. So if you tuned in expecting for a discussion about black power, we're just going to give you one second to, to, to just Turn just <laughs> navigate away from this. We'd love for you to stay for the sode, but if you're not in it, you're not in it. So the Nazgul, th- this is one of the things that I, I remember seeing uh, like early pictures of, even before the movies came out, and they just look terrifying. Um, the yeah. descriptions are terrifying. They're the OG Dementors, really. Yeah, um, they so are. They totally are. Um, but here's the thing. The Nazgul, the Ringwraiths, the Black Riders, they're scary in the way that that I think when I was a little kid, the band Kiss was scary to me. <laughs> Where like, on the surface, terrifying looking for like a little kid. But then you listen to like 30 seconds of a song and you go, Peter Chris, the guy with the little kitty face, he's, he's not going to hurt little you. Little kitty face. Yeah, Peter Chris, he has, he's got a cat. Little whiskeys? Yeah. It's also sort of that um, Jurassic Park effect when you watch the movies where- um, I love Jurassic they Park. Look... <laughs> yeah, well, that's another, that's a whole nother sode, <laughs> whole nother pod, sister. No, it's it, where somebody, the first time somebody says, did you know in the first Jurassic Park movie, only five people die and, and you find out, oh- Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they actually weren't that scary. They weren't that... Um, destructive. Destructive. A little bit about their history. They're also known as the Nine. Uh, they're nine men, kings, who uh, succumbed to Sauron's dark power and gained immortality. There were 19 rings. Is that right, cast? Seven for the dwarves, nine for men. Three for, three elves, for the elves, one, and one for Sauron. Right. So these were the Nine... Uh, they started off uh, really riding the high horse. They gained power and prestige, and their kingdoms flourished. But as the time wore on, and, and they got toward the end of what a human life would be, they kept living and became less human. So they're not really living, not really dead. They're somewhere in between there. Okay. They are also described as uh, Sauron's most terrible servants, which... Um, which we're going to explore now. When you think of terrible servants, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Amelia Bedelia. Um, <laughs> what? Classic bunglers. You assign them a task, and um, and and they just through whatever misadventures, they don't really get the task accomplished. Like for example, you know, if 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 they really can sense when the ring is being worn, and that gives the them a ping on the location, that... and they show up, yeah. and they just kind of look around for a moment and then go home, you're not really doing your job. Um, you're kind of phoning it in. And uh, so there's you know, a big question of why they're phoning it in. The leader of the Ringwraiths is uh, the Witch King. I think in, in show canon, pod canon, Maddie would call this a head bitch. 
Yes. Yeah. HBIC. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And he is the witch king of Hangmar. It's a kingdom of evil that he founded himself in the Misty Mountains, which I'm pretty sure is a Mario Kart 64 level. <laughs> <laughs> There's Rainbow Road. There's Angmar. Misty Mountains. Misty Mountains. <laughs> but yeah, so the... Is the, that the one where the little penguins slide in front of you and are really annoying? I can't confirm that, but I'm pretty sure you're right. Anyway, uh, just like anybody with too much bling eventually makes you act like a total asshole, and that's what happened to these guys. They're neither living nor dead. Uh, They have a a very specific set of weaknesses and strengths, which we're going to explore as well. Another thing that's pretty important to know about these guys, they they have their immortality. They have uh, uh, these different powers. You know, they have heightened sense of smell. They have a heightened like night vision, these sorts of things, but they also don't use them really that well. The nine got their powers from those nine individual rings. They corrupted them, gave them great power, turned them into these these uh, immortal warriors. Here's something that, that that that's kind of important about this: they don't have those rings anymore. They don't. Sauron took them back. What? Which this is just a little theorizing here, which kind of explains why all of their actions in these movies sort of seem like an employee that's phoning it in, half-assing. Yeah, are they they pissed? Like, are they trying to get the rings back? It doesn't seem that there's any promise that they're going to get those rings back. So they're just like, I have nothing in this. Correct. I just fucking have to do this because my boss said I have to. Right. Okay, so the the history of the Nine is that, you know, they've got a number of successful military campaigns in the Second Age uh, under their belt, uh, after which it seems like they really just kind of gave up on that. They never went on, uh, went after Bilbo when he had the ring on. They just, they just put up one of those signs that says, like, back in five. <laughs> um, it's decades, but it, it's the same sign, basically. Here are some of the rules uh, that are addressed specifically in the book. They can't be killed by men. We sort of established that they're, they're ghosts, but not really. They can, they can act in the physical world. They can't get killed unless it's by a weapon that's made to kill them, so they can be killed. Um, Wait, and then it can be by men? Well, so I don't know because how Eowyn far Because Eowyn kills one. That's a lady. Yeah. So just because it's a woman, it's fine? That, that's sort of the... The implication. But now does that a, actually happen in the book, though? I don't know. I, I haven't don't read know. that far. So there are other uh, powers, if we can loop, loop that back in. Um, yeah. Not really shown in the movie, but they have toxic breath situation going on. No, they don't. Yeah, in the books. They, apparently that their breath can, uh, can sort of slowly sap the life out of you this and paralyze. This is like Pokemon shit. Yeah. Well, or like, or like halitosis. Vileplume. <laughs> One of two. Wait, what did you say? Or halitosis. What's that? Chronic bad breath. <laughs> made up by Colgate. Um, they, they also have a, a demoralizing, terrifying effect on their enemies. Their, their language is called black speech, which right. just kind of seems That's like something That's the language of Mordor, that, right? Yeah. It's the one that Sauron made up. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit, I think, in our first episode maybe but yeah it's really scary it's like when they're in the council of elrond in the movie Gandalf and like stands up and the Gandalf room goes starts, dark and shakes and it's like the most it's like just speaking that language it's like thunder clouds come overhead and everybody's very like, very frightening oh no i'm scared now okay so that's their power people are scared of them because they speak the black speech yeah they're just scurry 
Okay, cool. Now, now let's let's turn to their weaknesses, which this is what really declaws these kitties. The Nazgul, not unlike the common house cat, they don't like water. They don't like it at all. They also, except for the Witch King himself, are really, their powers are diminished anytime it's daytime. So they, they mostly stay out at night. Um, so wait, and- that's what you were saying when we were, when we were watching the movie. You were saying that has to be the Witch King because yes. it was in the daytime the, the only first that time that we day. see him. Oh. Correct. Yes. Yeah. However, if we're going by like Pokemon rules, you're only supposed to have like one or two weaknesses, but reference later on in the story which we won't get into they're also scared of fire so fire and water and just just sunshine brightness happy day all these things really really diminish from their their scariness they're kind of described in the book as these unrelenting like terminator style badasses when they're really just like super flighty they sound kind of lame actually Rewatching it with all of these rules and and knowing how indomitable they're supposed to be, and then how many times they retreat, really recast them as as those half-assing klutzes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, another thing that's really important is that when they're introduced, they're riding horseback, and, and they do that for for a, a good spell until they come in on fell beasts. And the fell beasts, giant black dragons that are just horrifying and have knives for tails and all this. Which, why aren't you always taking the fell beasts? Right. What was the point of the horses to begin with? If you're afraid of water, you know who can just crisscross all over all those little streams and tributaries? Oh, yeah. Rome would have been so dead Mm -hmm. if they would have had the fell beasts during that time. They would have literally succeeded in like five seconds. They could just pick them right up. And so this gets back to to where they're described as as Sauron's most terrible servants. These guys are <laughs> terrible servants. It's basically uh, I was trying to figure out like how to how to phrase this in like modern terms. It's the equivalent of asking a butler to go to the store and grab something, and rather than driving to the store, they take their razor scooters, which take forever. Then they get to the store, and in the parking lot, some kids throw some rocks at them, and they just flee, screeching, having never gotten to the store. They're just <laughs> terrible servants. The more I looked into them, the less I got scared. Same thing with Kiss. <laughs> Keep in mind they have the fear of fire despite residing like right by Mount Doom. A literal volcano. You should get acclimated to this. <laughs> cool with this by You now. should. Wait, I thought that they didn't live by Mount Doom. Well, they live kind of close to a volcano. Adjacent. Okay, adjacent, <laughs> right. You don't think they ever have parties? <laughs> They go. They go. Sauron's like, hey, do you guys want to chill at my house tonight? And they're like, actually, maybe you come over to our place. (laughs) We're really nervous about the fire. Which is the castle minus Morgul, just while we're at it. Minus Morgul? Minas? Minas Morgul. Minas Morgul. Look at me correcting. Oh my God. I never thought the day would would come. Uh, yeah, really. That's that's kind of the, the as far as I can go without um, revealing, uh, ex- stuff revealing too much in the future. The only kernel I'm going to leave for the future is that we already mentioned that they were they were foiled by a sack of carrots. Um, <laughs> now, now look out in the future at the prancing pony. They get foiled by watermelons. Um, so not the smartest crew. Barely with it. Really not trying super hard, but they've got tenure. So they, do, they um, keep trying. 
They do try. They go. They, they go, go to they the never store. Say no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're photosensitive, heat sensitive, water sensitive, kind of alive but mostly dead. So essentially, they're vinyl records. That's the end of my exhaustive research on the truly terrible, terrible, terrible servants of Sauron. I love that. I love it. Okay, so I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. The whole second age is that. Like when when did they die? Like when once when was their reign and then when did they like drift off into nothingness? Yeah, like when were they people and when were they They give those years and I didn't write them down. Is it like do you know like general like second age, first age? Second age. Second age. It was okay. second age and uh, apparently the peak of their kingdoms was like 700 years of reign. But also, you know, it's worth noting that none of them except for there's also camel I'm saying it wrong, but I like Camel. He's uh, the Black Easterling. He's the only other named of the Nazgul. The other um, one is the, the Witch King of Angmar? Yeah, that's right. And what's Which his, what was his actual name? Is that just it? That's it. The city that he made himself, or the kingdom he made himself. So the rest of these guys, they had kingdoms, and everybody forgot what they were called where they were from. Right, because it's like thousands of years later. That well, makes and sense. also like if the, no, witch, but it's, if the it, Witch King of Angmar wants to be called the Witch King of Angmar, we don't need to like dead name him. Also, it doesn't <laughs> take a long time to forget things. Like people right now, currently, don't know where Hoosier came from in reference to Indiana. Is that true? True. I don't no know No one has any from. idea. Do you know? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Okay. It's plausible, I guess. <laughs> it did kind of seem like a... A lead up to like no one knows where that came from but, but I, I do yeah <laughs> i still thought it was going there we put too much faith in him yep got nothing okay so maddie do you have any follow-up questions no i mean i loved that i loved it and uh, i can't believe they're so less scary they're, yeah they're kind of useless and it makes me love them a little bit no no they're definitely not love that endears I, you that they're poor assassins <laughs> it actually does like anybody who's bad at their job i'm kind of like oh but they were good at their job. They just And then they just decided to not be good at it anymore. Yeah, they stopped going for the gold. Yeah, that's fine. They retired. That was super interesting, Luke. Cheers. Thank you. Thank that. you so much. Oh, and I do have to add one more thing, a little bonus content. You can call that bone con. It's a good tag. Hate that. Little bone con <laughs> here. Three of the kings. Three of the kings of the Nazgul, Numenorians. No. Stop that. All roads lead to Numenorians. They literally do, though. They really do. Everything mentions... I think mine mentions Numenor at one point, too, but we'll get into that. Hashtag BoneCon. I hate that. All right, so I'm going to start with my quote here. Quotation. This is from Paige. My quotation. Thank you, Luke. Page 79. Gilthoniel, O Elbereth, clear are thy eyes and bright thy breath. Snow White, Snow White, we sing to thee in a far land beyond the sea. This is a song that the high elves are singing when Frodo and Sam and Pippin witness them walking through the forest. So my question was, who the fuck is Elbereth? They actually mention this person quite a few times later, which will, you know, if you read the book, you'll notice that. But this seems to be a significant person. Yeah, and I just saw a post on Facebook where somebody named their daughter... Elbereth. So it must be important. It's gotta be significant if somebody's naming their child after them. Right. Elbereth Gilthoniel is the full name in Cinderin. And this name means Kindler of the Stars. But do you know what her actual name is? Star Child. No. Evan Star. 
No. Oh. You're both wrong. Her name is Varda. Varda. And she is the queen of the Valar. Stop Mm -hmm. it. Help me out here. Okay. All right. Can I give a little recap? Yes. Need to recap. So in the first episode, I do a little recap over the mythology for the world of Arda, which is where the the formation of the world. Okay. Eru Iluvatar is the god, the deity. Then there is the Valar who helped him create the world Arda, which is where Middle Earth is. Then there are the Maiar who are the assistants to the Valar. So the Valar are like the 14 big, amazing, angelic beings. Yeah. The name Varda is Quenya for sublime. And like I said, she's the queen of the Valar. And she's a total girl boss. She's amazing. Her husband is Manwe. She is the Vala who created the stars and set the sun and moon on their eternal courses. So she's kind of a big deal. She and Manwe, they dwell in a super, super cool house. It's kind of like, actually, there's quite a few allusions to Greek mythology in this particular part of Tolkien mythology. So it's kind of like Olympus. Is that what it's called? Olympus? Olympus. So yeah, they have this big old cool mansion and it's sitting on the very, very tallest peak in all of Arda. Are they in Valinor? Yes, it is in Valinor, and it sits on the summit of a mountain called the Teniquatil, I believe is what it's called. And it is the tallest peak in all of Arda, and it is in Valinor. Varda is the most beautiful of all the Valar, which is kind of saying something. She's like an 11 in a sea of 10s. So her beauty is said to be beyond description because her face radiates the light of Eru himself. You know who would hate that person? Who? The Nazgul. You're totally fucking right. They You'd would... be like, ugh, too bright. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So her power is control over light, basically. Let's talk a little bit about Morgoth for a second. Let's. Okay. Morgoth or Melkor, he's a baddie. Okay. He's a Valar, but he sucks and he's an asshole. And everybody was kind of fooled uh, in the beginning. They were like, no, Melkor's a cool guy. Like, we like him. The only one who saw right through him was Varda. She knew that he was an asshole. Did he have a tribal tattoo? Is that how she knew? Totally. Totally. Hot girls see right through that. He had white person dreads. Like, And everybody was like, no, he looks like a cool guy. And Varda's like, no. She hates him. She vilifies him. And because of this, he hates her back. So they kind of have this little rivalry. They're enemies from... The moment that she reveals to everyone, she's like, this guy sucks. Yeah, that's how drama works. That's how drama works. Yeah. But even though Melkor hates her and their enemies, she is also the one that he fears the most because she was able to see through his bullshit before anybody else could. So let's talk a little bit about Varda's resume. Resume. In the beginning days of Arda, Varda and Manwe were basically in charge. They're ruling everything. Uh, She made the stars and filled the lamps of the Valar. What does that mean, you ask? I'll explain. Sort of. In very little detail. And you're probably (laughs) still going to be confused after I talk about this. Go on. Especially Luke. How many lamps are there, you ask? Yeah. There are two. And they are filled with a sacred light. They are placed at the northernmost and southernmost ends of Arda. After the Valar had brought order to the land and seas. So she is the one who filled those lamps with light. Like the North Pole, South Pole? Exactly like that. Thank you. So Varda hallowed the Silmarils, which are the sacred jewels that contain the light of the two trees of Valinor. 
Do you know what that means when I say she hallowed them? No. no. She consecrated them, basically. Like she wait, 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 what? Because I, I don't know that word either. Okay. So she- I just want Maddie to explain. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to make this as simple as possible. And then she you dumb it a, down a shade from there. She made them important. Oh, well, that's not as exciting as I thought it was going to be. She no, made I thought them it was holy. A, that was way more fun. I yeah. thought it was going to be way more sexy. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's it's sexier to say she hallowed the Silmarillion. Yeah, you so when you skipped say con- my deviant art section. And then when I'm you really say sorry. when you say consecrated, like consecrated. Yeah. You guys Do I just not sexy. know what that word means? Huh? Consecrated. Consecrated. Do I not know what that word means? Do you not know what that word means? It really. More I thought it meant like consecrate your it marriage makes, means like when you like have that's sex. Consummate. Oh. Shit. <laughs> Okay. We're keeping that in. Do not cut that. Did you think the same thing as me? I was on the exact same wavelength and you, you guys have to cut this. Both. No, we're not we're not cutting that. That stays in. Jessie? Because you know what? I just want everybody to know here, I am the baby of the family. <laughs> I am sitting here with a sibling that is five years older than me. I am sitting here with a sibling that is nine years older than me. And I am the only one who knew that it's consummate your marriage. <laughs> okay, so let's 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 uh let's get back on track here. Varda also fashioned new stars and constellations in preparation for the awakening of the elves. And she set the star of Arendil in the sky. Which, did you guys know that the star of Arendil is not actually a star? No. I did not know that. Do you know what it is? No. It's a Silmaril. Stop! Mm-hmm. I'm going to need a footnote. What's a Silmaril? Again, a Silmaril a is a sacred jewel. A gel. It's a gel. <laughs> it's a topical lotion. <laughs> You Silmaril. <laughs> okay, wait. So the Star of Elendil is what no, Galadriel Arendil. Arendil is sure. <laughs> is what Galadriel gives to Frodo, which is that light. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Right. So the Star of Arendil is the most beloved star that Galadriel refers to when she gifts the file of starlight to Frodo when the fellowship passes through Lothlorien. But it's, it's not. Actually, yeah, it's a Silmaril. I had no idea. That that was the case. I thought it was just a star. Yeah, I thought it was just a star too. I thought it was like their like the equivalent, and, and it is kind of like the equivalent of their evening star. Like that's what they like the northern star, kind of. But it's actually a Silmaril that she put in the sky because she oh wanted, she put it into the sky. She put it into the sky because she wanted to protect it from the forces of evil. Aww. It couldn't be reached. That's lovely. Because she created the stars, Varda is the most revered of all the Valar by the elves. They gave her the name of Elbereth. And they call on her in times of great need. So like I said, Elbreth means star kindler, I believe. Elbreth Gathoniel, I think, totally means star kindler, which is such a nice name, isn't it? It's beautiful. Star kindler. I should have another child and name her It sounds Elbreth. like a My Little Pony name a little bit. It does. Are you saying you want to name her Elbreth or you want to name your child star kindler? No, Elbreth. Like that guy on Facebook. Is it too late to rename Evie? <laughs> <laughs> It starts with an E. It's fine. It's fine. Because the throne of uh, Teniquatil is so lofty, it's said that she's able to hear more clearly than any other ears the prayers and laments of those in need. Isn't that sweet? That's really nice. She's like there. She's just listening to everybody. And actually later in the series when Sam is fighting Shelob the spider, you guys know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. We've all seen the movie, right? Yep. She is the one who like answers his plea to help him so that he can use the light of the star of Arendelle. Yeah, it's lovely. 
Varda has two Maiar at her service. The first is, I believe it's pronounced Ilmaray, who is the handmaiden of Varda and herald slash banner bearer of Manwe. And number two is Oloran, the <gasps> wisest of the Maiar with the powers of light and fire. That's right, bitches. Oh my gorm. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because I remember hearing that that Manwe and Varda were the two people who trained him. Yes, that is amazing. Yes. Right? So Gandalf is like at her charge. Isn't I that love lovely? That. And everybody loves her so much. She's like the favorite of the elves. Like, I think that's probably why Gandalf. I'm assuming why the elves are so particularly fond of him, why he has the name Mithrandir, um, which means elf friend, I believe, in Cinderin. I don't know. Because they love her. They love her, so they love him. They're like a friend of a friend. That's cute. So in the song that the high elves are singing, that Sam and Frodo and Pippin overhear, they refer to Snow White. I was kind of wondering about that a little bit. I was like, why are they calling her Snow White? So when she appears in Visions to the Elves, she's seen in a shining white Fauna, I believe is how it's pronounced. So a fauna is a Quenya term used to describe the physical form which is taken by the Aenor when they want to have tangible bodies. Oh, also, is it pronounced Aenor or is it pronounced Ainor? Ainor. And, and we had said it wrong for the first couple episodes. And then I was listening to the Prancing Pony podcast and they were like, oh, the Ainor. And I was like, oh, we're idiots. Ainor. That's Because fine. we say Maiar. Mayar and, and Ainor. Ainor. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so- Luke, for you joining us in Ainor, is an angelic being that was created by the deity, by Eru Iluvatar. Eru Iluvatar. And all of the Valar, the Mayar, the Astari, all of them are Ainars. I knew that. Do I look Aynor. like a fucking idiot? <laughs> hmm. I knew all that. Oh, my God. I don't even believe it for a second. I don't. Yeah, well, they sing to create the world. Did you know that? I actually already said that in this podcast. Yes. You did? Yeah, I did. Oh. Yeah, because I listened oh, to my yeah. sister. <laughs> that makes one of us. I'm Harsh. just kidding. <laughs> I love you. I listen to you all the time. I follow you everywhere. It's true. So the Ainur can go with or without their fauna, like clothing, and their fauna represents their gender. So sometimes an Ainu can be hurt enough that they're unable to assume a physical form. So an example of that is when Sauron is caught in the destruction of Numenor. 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 Here we are. Always wait, back wait, to wait, the wait, 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 wait. What's we need a specific tag for the Numenor. Hashtag All roads lead to Numenor. Yes. Hashtag all roads lead to You don't have to, to, to hashtag it. It's just a- So an example of this is after Sauron is caught in the destruction of Numenor, he can assume a physical form, but he can't assume a fair form is how they say it. So basically he can't be sexy anymore. So you got to be a three. Yeah. He goes from a 10 to like a three, I guess maybe a two. Sounds horrible. Maybe one even because of her incredibly fair shining fauna. The elves of middle earth call Varda Fenuelos, I believe is how it's pronounced. Maybe, which means that's right. Snow white. Ah, that's so lovely. Beautiful. She's nice. That's awesome. Good end around. She can be best friends with us. No. She can come and drink Boda Box with us. You think she could hang? Well, Luke's liking this dry rosé. And and Luke can obviously hang. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you guys want to move on to our favorite quotes? Yeah. Let's. Let's do it. 
My favorite quotation is during the part where Frodo is asking the elf Gildor for advice if he should wait for Gandalf before traveling to Rivendell. And Gildor is talking. That Gandalf should be late does not bode well, but it is said, do not meddle in the affairs of wizards, for they are subtle and quick to anger. The choice is yours to go or wait. And it is also said, answered Frodo, go not to the elves for counsel, for they will say both no and yes. Is it indeed, laughed Gildor, else seldom give unguarded advice, for advice is a dangerous gift, even from the wise to the wise, and all courses may run ill. <laughs> and I just think that is so great because all through the book we witness that yeah. where the elves will not give advice. They're just Yeah, they're like, we better not say anything. Even here. though they know what the fuck is going on twenty four seven. Yeah. Well, <laughs> do you guys do. do you guys know what the Dunning Kruger effect is? No. It basically says like that let's do an XY chart. Your amount of knowledge a slight bit makes your confidence spike really high. And then the more you learn, the lower your confidence in that subject is. And that's what the elves are doing. They're going, well, I I mean, it it could be yes, it could be no. It's Dunning-Kruger effect. They're wow. smarter. They're I so knowledgeable. That, I experience that every time we're doing an episode of this podcast. If you yeah, it, <laughs> Before we started this, I was like, I feel like I know like a decent bit about Lord of the Rings. Dunning-Kruger effect. It, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Oh no! But I honestly feel like yeah, I most thought of the, the people... ring wraiths were cool. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were badasses. I honestly feel though most people who are like, oh, I know everything there is about Lord of the Rings, are the people who actually don't. Maddie had an experience where she was playing trivia with this guy who was like, I know everything about Lord of the Rings. I did. I did. It was somebody I ran into, and we were playing a little game of like Tolkien trivia. He literally said the words to me, I think I probably know everything that there is to know about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and, I was like, and I was like, you know what? Let's see. And, and what did you ask him? I think the question that I asked him was, what is the ring that Aragorn wears that has the two serpents on it? I know what the question was. It wasn't that. It was the, that. No, the question that you asked is, what are another name for the Black Riders? You're right. You're right. I said, I said, can you name me one other name for the Black Riders? I bet Luke can. Nazgul. So my favorite quotation is from page 82. The hobbits are having their party with the high elves. We have a little foray into Pippin's mind here. Pippin afterwards recalled little of either food or drink, for his mind was filled with the light upon the elves' faces, and the sound of voices so various and so beautiful that he felt in a waking dream. But he remembered that there was bread, surpassing the savor of a fair white loaf to one who was starving, and fruits sweet as wild berries, and richer than the tended fruits of gardens. He drained a cup that was filled with a fragrant draft, cool as a clear fountain, golden as a summer afternoon that sounds amazing isn't that nice it's lovely why didn't i get a round of applause because mine was better all right <laughs> that's fine i know I, I always choose the passages that are just like beautiful to listen to yeah they're just nice to listen to it's like stuff that you want to fall asleep to i know? always pick the ones where someone's being an asshole i know you always <laughs> do and i love that i can rely on you for the quotes where somebody's being sassy and i'm just like I like the ones that sound pretty. I'm really curious to see which quote Luke is going to pick because as our special guest, you get to pick a quote as well. You do. I do. And in fact, 
I'm picking a quotation that is uh, is from a Sabaton lyric. Sabaton no, is a no. Swedish death metal band. That, that's not how this goes. Oh, I you're refuse supposed to, pick something. to read yours. If I do this first, it means it gets recorded. Okay. Sabaton, Swedish uh, power metal band. They really, um, they, they, they wrote a song about the Nazgul, and they were really thinly veiling that it was about them. It's called Shadows. I'm only going to speak the verses, the chorus is You're not going to sing it? No. Would it be screaming? It would be screaming. Okay. Okay. Facing the wind as they ride through the sky, shadows of Mordor, black horses they fly. Black Shadow King, find the ring. Search for the halfling, you lords of the dark. The hobbit with Sauron's ring, he is your mark. Unholy light in the night. That's the first verse. Yeah, that, that was very shit. hard to tell that they were talking about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it's like really veiled. That could be any <laughs> copyrighted property, really. <laughs> Unholy ring race with armor of steel. Kings of the past to no one you kneel. Except definitely Sauron, right? Yeah. Uh, hearts filled with hate. That's your fate. Facing the wind as they ride through the sky. Shadows of Mordor. Black horses they fly. Ride, Shadow King. Find my ring. Whoa. Okay, we're definitely sharing the link to this song on the yeah, blog. Yeah, we're going to share the link to this song for it's sure. disappointing. I'm sure it is, but we have to share it anyways. <laughs> Most of the things we share are like either disappointing because they're just disappointing or disappointing because they're really fucking weird. Over this last week, I couldn't sleep. So I watched that entire scene from the Lord of the Rings musical. It is terrible. I know. It's awful. It's dreadful. Did, Luke, did you know that there's a Lord of the Rings musical? Yeah, you guys showed me. Oh, good. Okay. Just want to make sure. Okay. So, Luke, did you have a quote from the book that you want to share? Because that's kind of what this section's about. Will you include my bone con from Sabaton? We will include the... I'm not going to say it. Yeah. The bonus content? The bonus content. The yes. Con. Which we all know oh, is... I said it. I said it. Uh, right. Did it feel terrible? Kind of felt right. Uh-huh. Yeah! <laughs> okay. Now I will read it. Okay. okay. The secret will not reach the enemy from us, said Gildor. The enemy, said Frodo. Then you know why I'm leaving the Shire? I do not know for what reason the enemy is pursuing you, answered Gildor, but I perceive that he is strange indeed, though that seems to me. And I warn you that peril is now both before you and behind you and upon either side. You mean the riders? I feared that they were servants of the enemy. What are the black riders? Has Gandalf told you nothing? Nothing about such creatures. Then I think it is not for me to say more. Lest terror should keep you from your journey. For it seems to me that you have set out only. Okay, now what I don't understand is why didn't he just say, just carry a fucking torch? Or water. Or a water. A squirt gun. Carry a squirt gun. <laughs> What are those? Uh, so, uh, super soaker. Super soaker. Carry a fucket super soaker. Super soaker. 50 would do it. But That's all are, you need. Do you know what garbage. I love about that section, though? Gildor is like, oh, Gandalf didn't tell you anything? I probably shouldn't say anything. Though. It's like he's when a you really talk, good best friend. He's a good best friend. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of The Sisterhood of the Rings. Join us next week for another always unexpected journey into all things Tolkien. If you like what we do, please subscribe and please review us. If you hate what we do, please leave us alone and turn your rage into a productive hobby, like collecting succulents or Pilates. 
And again, I'm Luke Bolzinius. You can find me on the wider internet at vballladycat69 <laughs> on AIM Messenger. And turn your rage into listening to Sabaton and angrily drumming at your steering wheel. See you, See you next, next time, time, you gorgeous, gorgeous nerds. nerds. I need more butter beer or whatever they call it on this one. <laughs> See you next See time. See you. No. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to go, yeah. cap. Okay. See, See you, you next, next time, time, you gorgeous nerds. Put the wine down. Put the wine down, Luke. See you See next See you next th- Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See you next time, you gorgeous nerds.